0: for somebody, for a sinner, for their head to pop up so they can just start whacking away at them. Uh, You know those kind of people. You've been around them. They spend so much time calling out other people's failings and completely ignore their own. No people like that. And there's a third category, and it's probably the category with the fewest people. There are those who follow the Word of God. Some years ago, researchers with the Barna organization, they asked American Christians for their views on issues like lying, cheating, the nature of God, and sin. And they found that while more than seven out of ten Americans, seven out of ten Americans call themselves Christians, just one out of every ten were able to answer basic questions about the Bible and faith. In the the book, it was called Unchristian. It was research about 20 somethings, that age group. It it was about what a new generation thinks about Christianity. And it says that nine out of 10 young people view Christians as, guess what? Judgmental. So today, as we continue this series about context matters, we're going to look at what Scripture teaches us about judging. And our passage is about two-thirds of the way through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, that's in Matthew, uh, it's chapters 5, 6, and 7. And in these chapters, Jesus teaches his followers how to live according to God's will. In chapter 5, Jesus begins with blessings for obedient Christians. He then challenges us to live as salt and light in, in, in this dark and unsavory culture. He then proclaims himself as the fulfillment of the law, and then he identifies several sins for us to avoid, like anger and lust. And that chapter ends with a call for us to love our enemies. In chapter six, he teaches us how to give, he teaches us how to pray, he teaches us how to fast, and to seek God's kingdom above everything else. And all of that is set up for our text in Matthew chapter seven, verses one to six. So before we read that this morning, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your people, to spend time in worship and giving and drawing close to you through your word. Father, open our hearts so that we understand the truth about how you've taught us to judge, how that we can do that according to your will and do it the right way. Father, be with us. Open, open our lives to you so that we can live in a way that glorifies you and draws others into a relationship with your son, Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. So Matthew chapter 7, starting in the first verse, our text says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, one of the keys to unlocking this passage for us today is to recognize that the word judge is used in two different ways in the New Testament. First, it's used to refer to criticizing and condemning in a spirit of judgmentalism. It's also used to mean to carefully differentiate, to discern or to decide. And I like how somebody put this. They said, Jesus didn't say, judge not, followed by a period or an exclamation point. Instead, he follows those words with a clarification of what type of judgment to make and how we can make them. When we read this in context, it's not a prohibition against judging. It's not telling us, do not judge. It's a stern warning against judging improperly. So I want us today to look at the two main ideas in this passage on how we can judge correctly. And the first one is really simple. Don't be critical. Don't be critical. The first two words in verse 1, judge not. This is important because the Pharisees, they categorized people. And they quickly condemned those who were not part of their religious group. They looked down on people who didn't jump through the same religious hoops that they did? They criticized those who sinned differently than they did. J.D. Greer, who was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention for a time, he said this You judge someone not when you assess their position, but when you dismiss them as a person. Did you hear that? You judge someone not when you assess their position, but when you dismiss them. Is a person. When we contemn somebody, what we're doing, what we're really saying is is that they have no value and they have absolutely no worth. And we write those people off without a second thought. And critical judgment, it's often cutting, it's quick, it's harsh, and it's hurtful. And Jesus here has no tolerance for those who have no tolerance of others. In fact, he tells us that two things that will not happen to those who, have cri- who are critical, who are holier than thou. At first, he says, these aren't his words. He says it, 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 there's this boomerang effect that can happen. There's a boomerang effect. The first reason that we're not to judge is found in the second half of verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Jesus is using the singular you here. He, he's personalizing this for each of us. He, he's not just speaking to people in general. He's speaking to you and to me individually. He's saying, what he's saying is, if I judge, then I'll be judged. He goes on in verse 2, for the, with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Um, the word "measure," it was used of a measuring rod, kind of like a yardstick today. Uh, and if we measure by other people by our standards, do you know what always happens? They never measure up, do they? When we measure people by our own standards, they never measure up. The problem is that we don't measure up either. There there are a couple Old Testament examples of this boomerang effect occurring. Uh, In Judges chapter 1, there's a ruler named Adonai Bezek. Great name. And he cuts off the thumbs and the big toes of 70 kings. Because that's a nice thing to do. Only to have the same thing happen to him when he was captured. In Esther chapter 7, Haman, he, he built a gallows. Where you hang people, he built this gallows because he wanted to hang Mordecai, but guess who the one that got hung on it was? It was Haman. Obadiah 15, uh, 15, For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. See, the standard that we use The standard that we use to judge others, that's the standard that God's going to use to judge us. So we see that there is this boomerang effect, and next there is a beam effect. There's a beam effect. Jesus asks this piercing question in verse 3 to get to to the other reason that we're to avoid being critically judgmental. He says we have a beam problem. He says, why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own? Do you know what he's saying right there? He's saying that we are maximizing the faults of others and minimizing our own. Now, some of the people in his audience, they probably laughed, they had a good chuckle, because the picture that he is painting here, it's really funny. Uh, the word for speck or moat, depending on what translation you're using, it's, it's, it's a splinter, it's stubble, it's a piece of chaff. You know you get an eyelash in your eye, and it's irritating, but it's, nothing to, it's not a big deal. Now, the word for log or beam It's for a roof rafter. It's for a load-bearing beam. And and, and he says, it's in your own eye. He's saying that's not just a possibility. He's saying it's the truth. He's saying we all have this problem. And when I look at your life, when I look at your life and and I see your faults, I'm in fact blind to the sin in my own. Jesus is saying that the sin of the critical hypocrite is more shocking than the sin of the person being judged. And the image, it's absurd, isn't it? We're walking around with some big rafter sticking out of our head, out of our eye, and yet somehow we can still see clearly enough to see that little, tiny, small speck of sin in somebody else's. But we're critical by nature, aren't we? It reminds me of the man, the story of this man uh, who, who would bring home prospective wives to meet his parents and his mother. His mother, every single girl he brought home, she just criticized him unmercifully. Uh, she just pointed out everything that could be wrong. And, and he's getting annoyed. And he goes to one of his buddies and says, What should I do? How do I handle this? She hates everybody. And his buddy's like, find somebody just like your mom. So he looked and he looked and looked, and he finally found this girl who was just like his mom. She looked like her, she she walked like her, she talked like her, she even thought like his mom. So he thought, I'm taking her home. And the next time he saw his buddy, his friend said, How did it go? Did your mom like her? And he said, Oh, yes, she loved her. My dad couldn't stand her, though. (laughs) Jesus goes for the jugular of their judgmentalism when he asks this follow-up question in verse 4. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own? I like what somebody had wrote about the man with the beam in his eye. He said, the man with the plank, with the beam in his eye, is incapable of seeing it. Because that plank, that beam, it developed over a period of time. It started out as little specks of sawdust. Those unconfessed sins, those attitudes that weren't weren't dealt with. And so those little specks of sawdust eventually grew and began to develop a critical judgmental spirit. Have you ever noticed what the your side view mirrors on your car say? Do you know what they say? Have you ever read it even? It says objects are closer objects in mirror are closer than they appear. It's actually a safety warning that's required on every side mirror of every vehicle sold in the United States, but we should have something similar imprinted on our souls. We need to be reminded that our sin is closer than it appears. So here's a question. Let me ask this. You're thinking about a judgmental person right now, aren't you? Anybody? Anybody got the guts to admit it? We should have something similar. (laughs) (laughs) Here's a more uncomfortable question I should ask. What's the name of the sin in your mirror? Now, I want to quickly give you some reasons why we should avoid critical judgment. Um, Here's some reasons we need to avoid critical judgment. The first is we don't know all the facts. We don't know all the facts. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13 says if one gives an answer before he hears, it is is his folly and shame. There's a story about the owner of a warehouse, and he went and he decided, I'm going to take a tour of my plant. I want to see how things are going. I want to see how my workers are working. And he wanted to make sure everybody was working hard in his warehouse. And he immediately, he walks in, he sees this young man standing around. he's, He's leaning against a stack of boxes doing nothing. And he's furious. So he walks up to this young man and says, how much do you make in a week? And the guy's like, uh uh-oh. He goes, I make about $300 a week. So the owner of the warehouse, he pulls his wallet out, pulls out $300 bills, and and, and gives them to him and says, I want you to leave and never come back. He was like, okay. He went up to, to the supervisor and said, how long has that young man been working here? supervisor said, he never has. He was just delivering a pizza. Sometimes we don't know all the facts. The next reason is we don't know someone's motives. We don't know someone's motives. It's impossible for us to know somebody else's heart, especially when we don't even know what's in our own. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Paul writes, "'Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes.'" who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. Don't pronounce judgment before the time. See, if we don't know people's motives, the next reason that we should avoid being judgmental is we need to ask ourselves, is it a personal preference or a biblical issue? Um. See, there are some things that are always going to be wrong, just the way it is. There are some things that are always going to be right. But there are other issues where there is freedom, provided we're not causing someone else to stumble. Unfortunately, it's in those areas of freedom, it's in those areas that people will express their strongest judgment. Uh, several years ago, we were on vacation, and if we're out of town, we do try to go to church somewhere. Um, sometimes it's just because I just want to be there. You know, I don't want to be the guy who has to speak and everybody's staring at and looking at funny, And but I have to admit it. While we were there the whole time, I was judging things. I liked some of the things they did. I didn't like other things. I, I thought the facility was nice. They, they did some songs I didn't know, which I wasn't real happy about. Um, I, they had a sermon. It was based on a biblical text. Uh, there, there was no invitation, which I thought was weird. Um, I could go on, but I have to admit that I was judgmental at that church. I went there with the idea that I was just going to be anonymous and worship, but the whole time I was judging, the people there were worshiping. Sometimes it's just a personal preference. Maybe for you it's a Bible translation, maybe it's a music style, maybe you prefer hymnals rather than screens. Would it something just a personal preference let it go let it go another reason to avoid judging is we're all sinners unfortunately some of us think that our sins smell better than other people's and it's so easy to gloss over our own sins while gossiping about the nature of someone else's what does paul write in romans 323 He says, for everybody except you has sinned, or for most people have sinned, but you don't fall in that category. He says, for all. That means me, that means you. It means everybody you like and everybody you don't like. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, understand that Christians, as a Christian, we are better off, but we're not better than anybody else. And here's here's a shocker you are not perfect, and I'm not either. We should avoid judging, we need to ask the question are we out for revenge? Are we just out? For revenge. Uh, it's so easy to get worked up and take things out on others, isn't it? Uh, I'm reminded of what James and John asked Jesus to do. Uh, they're in this village, they're Samaritans, and they're not welcoming Jesus. And, and James and John, they're just so upset. In Luke chapter 9, verse 54, when the disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? They hated those Samaritans. They were their half-breed cousins. They were the country bumpkins of the world. C- can we just call fire down from heaven and take these people out? What does Jesus do in the next verse? And he turned and rebuked them. He said, that's not how we deal with things. And the last reason to not be critical in judging is we're all going to face God in judgment someday. We will all face God in judgment. Uh, there's a question asked in James chapter 4, verse 12. It says, there is one lawgiver and judge. And I'm going to share a secret. It's not you. You're not the judge, and you're not the lawgiver. He who is able to save and destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? James is saying, He's God, you're not. And frankly, God doesn't need our help in running the world as much as you think that He does. So we should not be critical in our judgment. Instead, we need to be careful. We need to be careful. We're called to be wise and discerning in our judgment in two ways. And the first is we need to humbly help others. We need to humbly help others. See, this is the thing. It's not wrong for us to see the speck in somebody else's eye. That's not wrong. What's wrong is when we exhibit this critical judgmentalism listen to what Jesus says, you hypocrite. How does that make you feel that Jesus would call you a hypocrite? You hypocrite. First, take the long out of your own eye, and then, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's saying before we, can, we, before we can remove the beam from our own eye, we have to recognize the truth that we even have one. We have to notice the problem before we can correct the problem. And one of the ways that you can tell that you still have, I'm not just going to say some judgmentalism, but probably a lot of judgmentalism going on, is when you get angrier, at someone else's sin, then you are embarrassed and convicted by your own. So Jesus says, after you do some self-surgery by confessing your own sins, then we are called to humbly help others. And when we are able to deal severely with our own sins, then we'll be able to humbly help others. When we deal severely with our own sins, we'll be more sensitive and we'll be more careful to help others who are stuck in their own sins. After David, in Psalm 51, David, he confessed his sins. Uh, He had Bathsheba's husband killed. He had an affair with her. He confesses that sin in Psalm 51 and asks God for a clean heart. And he makes this request in Psalm 51 verse 13. He says, then after you've given me a clean heart, after I've done that self-surgery in my own life, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Paul would write in Galatians chapter 6 verse 1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of anger and frustration and judgmentalism. Paul, he says you should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. He says, Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And, and it's true that we can't judge a book by its cover. But we can judge a book by its contents. John chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. See, if if we're simply magnifying the sins of others, that's wrong. But when we deal with our own sins, we can do that gentle and careful work of helping. Get something out of someone else's eye. And when we do it that way, they might even be glad for the help because they know that we aren't there to condemn just to help. The next thing we need to do is to decide to be discerning. We need to decide to be discerning. Try saying that quickly. I'll give you a second. We need to decide to be discerning. And while we're not to be involved in critical judgmentalism, we have to. We must make wise judgments. We see this in verse 6. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, at the time, dogs and pigs, they were known as animals um, who were ferocious when they got provoked. Um, Dogs and pigs, they symbolized people who scorn and mock the truth. Uh, And and pigs, don't know if you know this, were the height of uncleanness for Jews. And don't think the dogs mentioned here is like, like your pet at home who wants to sleep on the couch next to you or get in your bed at night. They're not domesticated. Think of a wolf, a coyote. And Jesus is saying, there is no way that you would take what is left from a holy sacrifice in the temple and feed it to this mangy, feral dog biting at your ankles. Pearls, they were invaluable in that culture. Pearls were worth more than diamonds. And Jesus is saying, "You, you need to be careful not to give something priceless to someone who's only out to attack you. Peter would put it like this in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 22. What the true proverb says has happened to them, the dog returns to its own vomit, and the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. So let me quickly share what we've learned today. Don't be critical in judging others. Instead, we should be careful in judgment. Don't be critical in judging others. Instead, we should be careful in judgment. Have you, ever noticed, have you ever noticed how easy it is to judge our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members, classmates, or even other Christians? Proverbs chapter 11, verses 9 and 12. With his mouth, the godless man would destroy his neighbor. But by knowledge, the righteous are delivered. Verse 12, whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense. But a man of understanding remains silent. That's hard, isn't it? Keeping your mouth shut sometimes. Somebody attacks you or hurts you, and the first thing you want to do is fight back. See, the only way for us to get rid of that spirit of judgmentalism is to consider the cross. In order to get rid of that beam, understand the truth that Jesus took the judgment that we deserved when He was nailed to that cross beam. See, it's, it's next to impossible for us to look to the cross to look at what Christ has done for us and be self-righteous and critical at the same time. I'm reminded of John chapter 8. The religious leaders, they showed their judgmentalism by bringing to Jesus a woman who was caught in adultery. And they, they want to stone her to death. And Jesus, he first deals with the sin in their own hearts by saying, hey guys, whoever here hasn't sinned, You be the one to throw the first stone. And one by one, each of those men walked away without tossing a stone. And then Jesus gives this woman, caught in sin, grace. And he says, neither do I condemn you. But he doesn't stop there, does he? He then speaks this amazing truth into our life. And he says, go, and from now on, sin no more. See, if you've been beaten up by the boomerang or hit too many times in the head by the beam, you need to believe and receive Christ who took on all the judgment that you deserve. And then go and sin no more. This morning, as the worship team comes, the idea of judging others, it's so easy to do, isn't it? It's so easy to condemn people and write them off. It's so easy to say, look, look how bad you are. And Jesus says, you need to take care of yourself before you ever think about taking on someone else. One of the things that we use this verse for, and people will take it and say, judge not, lest ye be judged. And it's true. You judge, you'll be judged. But 1 Corinthians chapter 5 Paul dealing with an immoral situation in the church in Corinth. He he talks about this man and he says, you guys are celebrating this guy that's doing something horrible and despicable. Kick him out. Knowing that the people would probably say, hey, Paul, judge not lest ye be judged. And Paul says, at the end of chapter 5, he says, who am I to judge those outside of the church? and that's the people we judge the most, he does go on to say, but this guy, we need to take care of business in our own house. We can't let this stand. There are times that we judge, but we can't do it with this critical spirit of judgmentalism. Understand that Jesus was judged Based on us, he took on all of our sins, all of our failures, all of our shortcomings. He was accused of something he didn't even do. He was convicted, he was beaten, he was nailed to a cross. He died and was buried. And for three days, he spent lifeless in a tomb. on that third day, Christ was raised from the dead by God the Father, putting paid to the debt that we owe, knowing that our judgment will be based on His perfection, just like anyone who accepts Christ, and when you judge somebody, you are judging them on what Christ has done. Don't think that it's okay. Because as long as you've still got sin in your life, you can't. Think about that for a minute. If you don't want to be judged for what you've done, you need to know Christ. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Christ died for your sins. Confess your faith in him. Romans 10, 9 tells us, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you'll be judged by his righteousness and not your own. And today, maybe you have some sin in your life and you've got a beam problem. Maybe take care of that today. If you want to come as we sing a song of invitation and say, Lord, help me get rid of my own sin. Help me deal with the problem that I have. If you want to spend time with him this morning, do that. But don't leave here judging. Leave here loving Christ for what he's done for you. I'm going to pray. I encourage you. If you need to know Christ today, come. If you want to be part of this body of believers at Highland Hills, come today. And if you need help with dealing with that sin in your life, Say, Lord, help me, because he will. Let me pray, we'll sing, and if you need to, come. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you so much for what you've done for us. Thank you that you've done what was impossible for us to do on our own. Thank you so much for forgiving me of my sins by putting paid to the debt that I owe and knowing the truth that I won't be judged for what I've done. I'll be judged by what you've done. That I could never do enough, that I could never be enough. But I have you, and that's more than enough. Father, help us not be so judgmental. Help us be loving and open sharing the good news of your son, Christ, with this lost world. Father, you are just so amazing. And help us put you at the center of everything we are, the center of our lives, our our careers, um, our families, and help us put you where you belong. Lord, just thank you again so much for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.